So, uh, welcome to Wednesday night. I will be your speaker for tonight. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for, uh, thank you for this beautiful people here tonight, Lord. And we just ask that you would just um, be present with us. Holy Spirit, come challenge us, change us, convict us tonight, Father. Encourage us by your word, Father God. We just ask that, um, I just ask that you just take me out of it, Father God, as, as I've been pouring over this and praying over this, Father God, that uh, the, these are your words, God, not my words, Lord. Uh, let them go forth, Father, into our hearts, God, that we would bring forth fruit for your kingdom, God, for it's all for you, God, all yours, all your glory, all your honor belong to Jesus Christ, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. So we're continuing in the book of Acts. So, continuing in chapter 21, Paul is going up to Jerusalem, right? And so if you've been with us, right, he's been making his way towards Jerusalem. And so he is now going up to Jerusalem, even after being prophesied over by several people. You know, if you go, you're going to, they want to kill you there. And he was like, I know, but I'm going. So uh, this, is, this is what's going on with Paul here. So it says, after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us. I'm sorry, I started in verse 15, if you're following along with us. And brought with them a certain Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. And when we came to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. When he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who believed, and they are zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore, do what we tell you to do. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. And that all may know that those things of which you were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. But concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from strangled, and from sexual immorality. Verse 26, Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. Now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law in this place. And furthermore, he brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place, for they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. Now as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. 
Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded, them, commanded him to be taken into the barracks. When he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people followed after, crying out, Away with him! Whew! There's a long portion there. All right, so what's going on here? So James is the recognized leader of the Jerusalem church. Okay, this is the apostle James, same one that wrote the book of James, the half brother of Jesus. This is that same James. Okay, and he is the leader of the Jerusalem church. So Paul is coming to him, giving him a detailed account of his missionary efforts. We're going to find out later in chapter 24 that Paul had brought a collection. So as he was going around to all his missionary efforts, he bought a collection for the Jerusalem church as a sign of unity between the Gentile converts and the Jewish uh, converts. So James tells Paul of the rumors of him and how it's produced hostility in the Jewish people. And so James offers him a solution to purify himself according to Jewish custom. So Paul, submitting to James's authority, thought it was a good thing to become like the Jewish believers in order to bring unity among the Gentiles and the Jewish converts. Does that make sense? So, uh, what was James's concern here? His concern was not a salvation issue because both men knew and agreed upon that salvation was in Christ alone, not in the keeping of the law, but for matters that were not sin, it was a means of unity. Okay? Uh, James was not concerned about Paul teaching that circumcision was not necessary for salvation, but more so what Paul was teaching the Jews who lived among the Gentiles. Uh, James was saying it, this was not about moral law, but about Jewish custom. Okay? It's not about a moral law, but about Jewish custom. So in a word, should Jewish believers continue to observe Jewish cultural practices? Because cultural practices were a non-issue if one was saved by grace. Okay? So these things, this would be like, you know, we have a long church history and there's traditions. We have 2,000 years of church history, folks. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> we have traditions, right? Um, you know, someone had asked us, well, how come you guys don't do Advent? We did Advent for a while, but we don't do it anymore. But Advent doesn't save you, right? That's a tradition. Right? Yeah. right? Um, we would say in the Lord's Prayer, the saying the Lord's Prayer doesn't save you, it's a tradition of the church. Saying the Apostles' Creed doesn't save you, it's a tradition of the church. These are non-salvation issues that are just traditions, right? So the Jews had cultural traditions. So Paul agrees to shave his head as a Nazarite vow to purify himself in the temple. Okay? So he joins these four others in purification. Um, Paul pays their expenses. So Paul is submitting to James's authority here. There's an agreement in doctrine and, eth and ethically between the two of them, but a concession in the area of practice. And the purification ritual fell under matters indifferent. It fell under matters indifferent. A truly emancipated spirit such as Paul's is not in bondage to its own emancipation. This was just a sensitive mutual Christian forbearance for the sake of unity 
among the Jews and the Gentile believers. And we see then, Paul then is accused falsely by these Jews, and ironically, he was accused of defiling the temple when that's what he was in fact doing, going through a purification process, was to not defile the temple. So we see then the Jews are in an uproar because they're saying, they they falsely accuse Paul of defiling the temple. So then the question is, why would Paul put himself through all of this agony? Okay? Because Paul was a debtor. Paul was a debtor. In Romans 1.14, Paul says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul had a revelation of Jesus Christ and that he was in debt to Christ. So whatever he was asked to do didn't matter. What does it mean to us? The first thing is, it is God who works in you. In verse 19... It says, when he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. If you notice, Paul reports what God had done through his ministry to the Gentiles, not what Paul had done with God's help. There's a difference. Did you know that Paul changed his own name? Because the, the, the na- Paul's name is Saul, Right? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus continually calls him Saul. Paul is a Roman counterpart. The name Saul, though, was a Hebrew name, and it had um, regal tones. It means asked for, and it was a very regal name. And the name Paul means little one. Why? Because Paul never wanted to have any glory for himself. That's that's, that's, That's why he said, look what God has done through me. Not look what I did with God's help. Look what God has done through me. All glory was for Jesus. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And can we say this? Can we truly say that Christ has taken over me and he lives in me and through me that I have been crucified with him and this life I now live, I don't live for myself. Can you say that? That you've been crucified, that you've died to your ways, you've died to your thoughts, you've died to your own desires. Have you given up your own right to your own independence? Because you'll find out if you have on who you give credit to. Paul didn't take any credit for himself in anything he did. Paul gave all glory, all honor, all credit 
to the Lord. Because it's the difference of, look what I have done. And look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Romans 13, 7 says, Render therefore all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs due. Fear to whom fear is due. And honor to whom honor is due. And Revelation 4, 11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive all glory, all honor, all power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. See, Paul had a revelation that he was not his own. And because Christ had died for him and made him this new creation, he said, I have, I have to live my, my life now for Christ. I don't have another choice. I'm a debtor to Christ. And the next thing is, we are to seek unity in matters indifferent. Verse 23 says, therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. James just says, do what we tell you. In 1 Corinthians 9, and this is, you know, a lot of people use this scripture for a lot of different reasons, but this is where it is. For though I am a free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without the law toward God, but under law toward Christ. That I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may partake of it with you. Right? And, and people use that scripture all the time to justify acting like the world. Yeah. That's not what it's about. It's this story right here. I will do whatever it takes within the law of Christ because my life doesn't matter. Paul never went into an idolatrous temple and worshiped with the idolaters reached them. But he went to the public places where people hung out. He went to places where people congregated. Because Paul was so submitted to Christ that he humbled himself in order to reach others in matters indifferent. Why would he do this? Because he wasn't rebellious. He was a debtor to Christ. He didn't care for himself, but about glorying Jesus and honoring the church. He was about seeking the lost and uniting believers. This is one of my favorite scriptures in Acts. Paul says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to me. So it doesn't matter. I don't even count my own life dear to me. I just want to finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Because Paul was submitted. Paul, and we see here the submission and humility of Paul. Paul comes to James. James, as the leader of the Jerusalem church, Paul comes to him and says, you know, hey, these are things are going on. James tells him what's going on here. And so, Paul, and so he tells Paul, hey, just do this. And Paul said, okay. 
You know, and, and hey, maybe James was an authoritarian leader and Paul was a yes man, but I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think that Paul and James both sought the best interest of the church. And, and, and notice, Paul didn't argue with James. He didn't say, do you know who I am? He never said that. He didn't say, but do you, I'm Paul. I'm Paul. I'm like, I'm, I wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. That was before the time. He just submitted and did what James suggested in order to bring unity. So, so it begs the question, why can't we just submit? If Paul could... Paul submitted. He didn't even bite back. He didn't even ask why. He just said, you want me to do that? I'm going to do that. Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So now it's just not submit to your leaders or submit to authority. And now it says submit to each other. And here's what I understand. Because Christians are supposed to be autonomous people. Does anybody know what autonomous means? We're not supposed to be autonomous. Autonomous means you're, you self-govern. And, and a mark of the last day's church, and I teach this, the Laodicean church, a mark of that is uh, it's an autonomous nature. Because Laodicea means the judgment of the people. It's, it's one that says, I can do what I want to do. But we're not supposed to be self-governed. We're supposed to be governed by the Spirit and the Word of God. And if I go to another church that requires I wear a dress, who cares? You just submit. You just submit to the authority of the church. But some people are so rebellious, they're like, I shouldn't have to do that. Okay. Good luck on the Day of Judgment. You know, and, and, and people know this, but the church that I got saved in in Texas, I got saved in the United Pentecostal Church. And uh, I'm sorry, I got a hair on here. It keeps, it keeps tickling my hand. <laughs> um, it, it's the United Pentecostal Church, and they're the ultra Pentecost, you know, and women don't wear makeup, and you wear your hair up, and, you know, long, long dresses, and you kind of, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. But when I go back home and I go visit my church because I still love those people, I wear a dress. Because I'm a debtor. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. And one of my first lessons in humility was obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, because uh, as a baby Christian and, and they were trying to explain to me why I should wear a dress and not pants. And I was like, well, I don't really see that in scripture. And one of the ladies just said, you know, Crystal... Obedience is better than sacrifice. And I said, okay, then I, I, know that's in the, I know that that's in the word of God. Just obey. And I understand why it's so hard to submit. See, I am responsible for my obedience to submit, and my leaders are responsible for their leadership, period. When I, when I tithe, I give to God. I'm not given to the leader. Right. right? When I do serve, I mean, I do things for the benefit of the Lord. 
And so I, I am responsible, and all of us, you are responsible to submit and obey. Yeah. And if someone misuses that, that's on them. I'm not going to answer to God for them. Yes. I'm going to answer for me. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. You're going to answer for yourself. No. Pastor Matt gets asked to speak at churches all the time. You submit to that pastor. Anytime you go to another church and they want you to come, you always submit to that pastor. Say, Pastor, what would you like me to speak on? Do you have something in particular? How would you like me to dress? What, 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 is, there, is there a scripture you'd like me to use? You, you tell me, do you want an altar call? What would you not, what, what, what is it that you don't want me to do? Because it's, it's submission, you submit to authority. Paul submitted to James, pretty easy. He had to go shave his head, go through purification, right? And, he's, and, and pay for the other guy's expenses. I'm a debtor. I, I, I owe Jesus a debt of gratitude. Yeah. You know, and, and when, we, when we come in the church and, and you know, uh, we're, we're, we're all, you know, we all have our own way of doing things and what we like and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes. yes. You know, uh, I, I know, I, I know. Part of the problem with uh, different ministries, you know, uh, Amanda will pick a, a a song choice, and people don't like that like the song choice. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Just submit. Yeah. Yeah. Amber will pick a new curriculum for the children's ministry. I don't like that. Well, who cares? Yeah. Just submit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't understand. Yeah. What what do you have? That was not given you. We are to submit. If you don't like something, by all means, uh, approach someone in a respectful way. But submit. Because who's about it anyways? Who's it about? It's about you? It's about Jesus. Because if it's about us personally then it's not about the church body. And if we're not about the church body, we're not about Jesus. James 3.16 says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing is there. Lord, show me that years ago. He said, Crystal, anytime there's self-seeking, every evil thing is going to be there. Anytime there's self-seeking in a church, it's evil. It's evil. You you better be careful. Paul did not seek his own way, but in every way possible, he sought to obey Christ. Why? Because Paul was a debtor. Now, I I do want to say we are under no obligation to submit to anything that goes against God's law. Right? You know, in Daniel, we, we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. You know, I, w- I was just studying this so, this so much. You know, and at this time, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel all worked in the Babylonian government. 
So they all worked for Nebuchadnezzar. So they all submitted in, in a lot of different areas. But right here, they were like, oh, no, we're not going to do that. Their principles were settled and well understood. They answered without hesitation, but they did so in a respectful manner. They didn't revile Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't reproach him. They didn't use words of contempt. They didn't complain. They had no need to go into vindication of their conduct. They just, no, no, sir, we won't bow. So you do what you're going to do. And we are to seek and keep the unity of the church in matters indifferent. Because honestly, most of the stuff that people fight about are matters indifferent. They're matters indifferent. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, here he is, now he says, now I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. He says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I have to warn people, if you destroy God's holy church, you fall under his judgment. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now, what's interesting about this scripture, and I've, and I've heard a lot of people preach on this, is that, yes, you personally are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But this is not what um, he's, Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about the individual. Because the writing in Greek is of, is of an architectural image. He's talking about the church. He's talking to a group of people saying, you are the temple. You collectively are the temple of the living God. The church of God was no longer viewed as a company of separate individuals, but as one massive foundation pillar supporting and displaying the glories of redemption. Paul's emphasis here is on the entire congregation of believers as the temple of God and the dwelling place of the Spirit. In other places, the church is Christ's body. We are members of his body. We are stones in a temple. We are citizens of a kingdom. We are sheep in a flock. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, I will build my church. I will build my church. And Jesus' mission was not to establish a personal relationship with individual people who have no relationship with each other. Did y'all hear that? Jesus' mission was not to establish a personal relationship with individual people who have no relationship with each other. Instead, it was a building of a called-out community of people called the church. That's what the church is. It's called out community of people. It's not one individual, but many. And there seems in this day and age to be an overemphasis of feeding people with preaching that's causing them to be self-oriented. That's the preaching that you're getting. It's all about you. It's all about them. It's all about you. It's all about your God. It's all about your time. It's all about your season. It's all about your thing. And this produces a, a, 
a self-focused and self-absorbed Christian. And this was not the example that Paul lays out in Scripture. Paul was a debtor. And there to the Corinthian church, Paul presents one of the strongest warnings in the New Testament to anyone responsible for defiling or corrupting a local congregation. God himself will punish that person with terrible ruin and eternal death. Read that again. He said, if anyone, if anyone destroys God's holy temple that's being built up, He's going to bring ruin upon them. It's one of the strongest warnings in Scripture. People corrupt the congregation through engaging in immorality, fostering lies, deceit, selfish ambition, sowing divisive seeds of discord, promoting false doctrine, Rejecting scriptural truth, accepting sin and worldliness into the body. Because these things corrupt. He said, if anyone, not, not if any pastor, come on, not if any leader, he said, if anyone destroys the body that he is building, He said, you will have ruination come upon you. Instead of building up, these corruptors destroy. And instead, we are to edify. We are told to edify, and that means to build up the body. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, comfort each other and edify. Build up one another, just as you also are doing. Romans 14.9, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which one may edify, build up another. Ephesians 4.16, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying, building up, of itself in love. In fact, there's a lot more. I just picked three. (laughs) There's a lot more talking about the unity of the body of Christ. Talking about building each other up. Talking about working together. We are joined and knitted together where every joint supplies. If you ever take an anatomy class, you can. that's pretty cool. When you see how the body is, is knitted together. And we are knitted, we are knitted together. And we are to build each other up, not tear down. God's not into that. He's not into that. See, Paul did not even care about his own life. Verse 31, it says, Now as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the uh, commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Paul didn't care. Paul went up to Jerusalem knowing he was going to die. Because Paul, he said, I'm a debtor. It doesn't matter if I die. I'm doing what God's asked me to do regardless of the consequences. We owe a debt. 
The concept of being a debtor, one who owes, one who's obligated, and one who must do something seems like a hard thing to reconcile for those who claim they are under no obligations under grace. When a person receives a revelation of the true grace of God, they come to realize they are debtor to Jesus for all that they are and all that they have. It's a debt of gratitude for all the benefits received. Because none of us deserved it. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. There's nothing we can do. And it's not a debt to pay for grace, for then it would cease to be grace. But it's a debt of acknowledgement to benefits received. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? So he says, What do you have that you did not receive? Pretty sure God gave you your mouth. You, you, didn't, you didn't form your mouth. When you were in your mother's womb, did you form yourself? No. So if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? What do we have that we didn't receive? We cannot pay for our salvation, but what more does God have to do than what he's already done in Christ? What, what more does he have to do? He doesn't owe us, but we are indebted to him with a debt of lifelong gratitude. Yeah. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, yeah. holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's just the bare minimum. That's just what's reasonable. And, 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 and you notice what Paul says here. He didn't say, present your heart. No, he said, present your body as a lifetime of worship and service to the one who died for you. That's what he said. Present your body in a lifetime of worship and service to the Lord. I'm a debtor. And this attitude of being a debtor is a key to being a grateful person. Ungrateful people carry a chip on their shoulder that someone owes them or life owes them. And sometimes when people have uh, mistreated or disrespected us, we feel like people owe us or that we deserve better. You owe me. I deserve better. No. No one deserves ill treatment and disrespect, but God's ways is to, to, to deal with people is to release them. To forgive and not allow it to make you bitter. It's good to have our heart established in the fact that Jesus paid the price for us, which entitles us to all things we need in life. Whether people do right to us or not, whether life has been good to us or not. None of that matters. Paul said, none none of this matters. Nothing matters. Doesn't matter how much people stone me, how many people don't like me. Doesn't matter what I've gone through. Doesn't matter what I have to go through. Nothing matters but to finish my race with joy. 
Because I owe a debt of gratitude to my Savior. What, 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 what do I have that was not given me? Not a thing. What right do I have to, re- to request anything from anybody? None. What does anybody owe me? Nothing. But what do I owe? I owe him everything. I'm a debtor. I owe him everything. Would you close your eyes? Will you pray, Angie? I just want to give you an opportunity tonight to respond to this message. I, I really feel like some people need to humble themselves. And the Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I, I really felt that tonight. There's some, there's some pride in here. You are self-governing yourself and you're, you think you're okay. But you better humble yourself in humility. Ask the Lord to forgive you and humble yourself before him. God is so good to forgive. He's so gracious to forgive. He's so merciful. He said, if you just ask, if you're here tonight and Jesus is not your Savior, if he's not your Lord, I just want to invite you to take this time to pray. Ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. It's through the blood of Christ. It is the only way to get to heaven. He is the only path. There are not all paths lead to God. I don't care what anybody told you. There's one path and it's through the blood of Christ. And you have to forgive your, you, you need to ask him to forgive you of your sins and you repent and you turn away. And he said he will abundantly pardon If you don't know him, I just ask you to pray that tonight. Tell him you need a savior. We, we all need a savior, folks. You ain't going to make it on your own. You can't do it on your own. You're not good enough on your own. You need a savior. If you've been far away, just come to your senses. Just return to your father's house and he comes running towards you. And if this message spoke anything to you tonight, just take a minute and let God work on those areas of your heart. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's areas that you've not completely surrendered to him. Maybe you've been causing division. Just ask God to forgive you.
just let him have his way right now. Just a few more minutes, just a few more moments. lacking joy, just start being grateful. Just start being grateful to him. Start being grateful for what you do have. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He will give you joy unspeakable, peace that passes all understanding. Father God, I thank you for this word tonight, Lord. I pray that we are challenged by it, God, and we are changed, Father, that we don't leave here the same, that you spoke to us, Father God. You move things around in our life, God, that we made you the center, not ourselves, God, but you are the center of our life. Lord, help us to seek peace among our brethren and seek unity among each other, Father. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, God, to lead us and guide us, direct us. Thank you for the word of God, Lord, that changes us and challenges us, God. It's sharper than each two-edged sword. Father, we just give you all praise and glory and honor in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.